0: Welcome to Story Archaeology's Stories in the Landscape Conversations on Mythology. Today, I continue my conversation with Patrick Nunn, as we discuss a few examples of Scottish and Irish folklore reflecting ancient landscape changes. Well, thank you for sending me your more recent paper. I think it was Observations of Post-Glacial Sea Level Rise in Northwest European Traditions. And you've Uncovered a great deal of compelling and relevant evidence for lengthy oral tradition in what might have been dismissed as mere folk tale.
1: Yes, yes, I think I've been sort of empowered, if you like, by my studies of the Australian traditions. So, from the Australian traditions, it seemed almost natural that I would turn my attention once again to Northwest Europe and look at what are often regarded as myths and legends and see. Whether there was plausible meaning that could be attached to some of these, and uh, certainly the paper that you're you're referring to in the uh, in the journal Geoarchaeology, it has made quite a splash in, in the sense that w- we have stories from 15 different places uh, in Northwest Europe, and we have basically said, myself and several others, these stories are consistent with the effects of sea level rise in the post glacial period and if that assumption is correct what ages could we put on them and, uh, uh, and a lot of the ages particularly from the west coast of Ireland are talking about uh, stories that have been handed down for four five six thousand years or even, or even more.
0: There were a couple of examples I found especially interesting, although the first isn't particularly about sea level rise, but you mentioned a a woman hunter on on, uh, the Isle of Harris.
1: Yes, and it is about sea level rise, actually, because the same the same group of stories is found on St Kilda Island, or a complementary set of stories was gathered from St Kilda Island in 1695 by Martin Martin, who who gave us the first written account of the people of St Kilda. And when he went there, he heard stories about this huntress who, in a previous time, had. Uh, hunted with her greyhounds across all the land between what is now St Kilda Island and what is now Harris Island uh, in the Outer Hebrides. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, maybe here is a story that talks or recalls a time when sea level was much lower and and you could actually ride your horse between the between the two or, or at least travel between the two on, on foot. And then uh, looking at Harris uh, in the Outer Hebrides, there are equivalent sets of stories there about a princess of Harris who again was able to hunt across the uh, what is now the ocean floor uh, in this area. So it seems to me highly likely that there were once a whole series of coherent oral traditions in the outer Hebrides that recalled a time when islands, which are today separated by, you know, maybe tens of metres of water, were interconnected and people could walk between the two of them. So I'm actually really, really fond of that, uh, that particular story because, you know, it appears to be corroborated from two separate sources, from St Kilda and from uh, Harris itself.
0: Fun enough, I just wondered whether there might be a potential connection with inner Hebrides stories and the tale of Skark, the wonderful warrior woman. She was the one who taught so many of the Ulster heroes, including Cahollin to fight. But there are lots of stories about her teaching these feats in which they leapt, or bridged small islands, uh, doing the feats, the salmon feet, or these various feats, which seem to be some sort of wild pole vaulting. You know, she was the one who taught Cahullan these almost magical feats. So it may be collected or it may not. I don't know for certain,
1: but it's a thought. It's it's absolutely a thought. Yes. Yeah. You know, the the only thing that I would say is that Sea level rose after the last ice age in the outer hebrides but not in the inner hebrides because during the last ice age the inner hebrides like the rest of or most of the rest of Scotland was covered with an ice sheet so when that ice sheet melted then the land actually started to rise so it you know the the story in the inner hebrides and most of Scotland has been of net emergence not submergence in the post-glacial period which is why the stories from the outer Hebrides uh, um, where where the submergence has occurred are are so compelling you know in, in this analysis. But who knows who knows
0: It could have been completely unconnected or it could be that this story of this magical woman hunter, the stories themselves travelled and then changed to fit the inner Hebrides. I don't know. It just struck me as being – I'm always looking for connections. Absolutely. But another thing I noticed
1: was the stories of submerged Sligo. Well, yes. And – and and I was really struck when I first read the stories. So there was there's one that uh, was written down in 1882, and it talks about a fairy city below the surface of Loch Gill, adjoining uh, the town the town of Sligo, with magnificent streets and buildings. And it's something that's explainable by the widespread belief that the original town of Sligo stood on a plain now overspread by the waters of Loch Gill. This is a quote from 1882, and that the island studying the bosom of the lake are the crests of verdant knolls that formerly adorned its green expanse. And there are other traditions from Sligo about smoke rising from the chimneys underneath the water and things like this. This kind of detail, it's it's like the sound of bells coming from underneath the sea that we find all the way around you know, the British Isles and, and uh, even off the coast of Brittany. These are not stories that are meant to be taken literally. These are stories that are coded recollect- recollections of a time when smoke did come from chimneys that were uh, above fires being being burnt. On the floor of lock gill um, and the same with the bells coming from underwater there are no bells under the water but the fact that people claim that they can hear bells underneath the water is really simply a way of recalling that once upon a time there were churches uh, in places where the ocean uh, now, now covered that where the ocean now covers so you know, I, I I'm absolutely fascinated by the stories from Sligo. I'd love to do some more uh, research from there, or you know, hear from any of your listeners who have more details.
0: Now, I'm not sure if I've come across all these stories. Oh, maybe I do remember reading or hearing about a treasure lost in Loch Gill, but as I recall, it seemed to be associated with more
1: recent folklore. I think stories are periodically rejuvenated by the people who tell them to make them relevant to new contexts. And, you know, the great uh, medievalist uh, Rachel Brummage, she wrote a lot about the Welsh stories and, and she argued that the stories of the great inundations thousands of years ago had been successively retold with every new set of culture hero in Welsh tradition to ensure that they continued to be told. And this happens, you know, happens all over the place. Uh, you know, it happens in the Pacific Islands, you know, things that happened thousands of years ago are, are linked to someone's grandparent, you know, because it, it's a way of contemporising particular uh, traditions and, uh, and ensuring that people repeat them.
0: I think that the same case might be made for the Irish stories as well. Their emphasis and focus changed so much over the centuries, as they were told by different communities, and and often under volatile and changing circumstances. It's the striking and memorable motifs that get retained. And the old storytellers knew what they were doing there, I'm particularly thinking of some of the stories that have clearly attached themselves to Finn or the Govanseer, some of the stories that were longest held in oral tradition. Absolutely. Yes, I'll look further into these stories and I'll invite uh, listeners to join in and add some more. Well, thank you, Patrick. And I look forward to our next conversation.
1: It's been a real pleasure. Real pleasure, Chris.
0: A link to Patrick's paper, recently published in the Scottish Geographical Journal, can be found on the Story Archaeology podcast page.